What's up, guys? I am so happy you're here. I'm your host, Katrina Richardson, and you're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, where we take a look at the painful things that we go through in life and discover how God can use them for a purpose, for His purpose. My prayer through this podcast is that you will be reminded on a weekly basis that even though times are hard, and just because you don't understand all the whys, doesn't mean God can't use this and turn it into a beautiful, beautiful testimony. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Purpose Through Pain. Now, I don't know if you have ever read a passage of scripture several times over and over again, and then all of a sudden something new sticks out or you get something from it that somehow in the first 64 times you read it, you missed, but now you got it. Well, I definitely have. And today we're going to take a look at the most recent passage that did that for me. And it actually may be one that kind of shocks you. It comes from Genesis chapter 29, and it's a genealogy. Of all the stories in the Bible, I never expected God to use a genealogy to speak volumes to me. But that's what I get for putting God in a box, because as we know, he can use anything, even genealogies. So Turning to Genesis 29, verses 31 through 35 say, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. Now, this genealogy presents itself a little differently than most genealogies in the Bible in the fact that it gives us more than just the names of the children, but the thoughts behind them as well. Now, we do see that some other times in the Bible, but for the most part, it's usually just a list. But with this one, we're giving a little bit more information, a little bit more backstory, Now, if you know anything about the relationship with Jacob and his wives, you know that Rachel was the favored one. Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel and wanted to marry her. He worked for her father for seven years to earn her hand in marriage. And on the night they were to be married, he was deceived by Rachel's father into marrying Rachel's older sister, Leah. Now, obviously, Jacob was distressed about this because he didn't marry the woman he had been promised that he would get to marry. He didn't marry the woman that he was in love with. So the father promised him that if he were to work for him seven more years, then he could marry Rachel as well. And that is something Jacob followed through on, working a total of 14 years to marry the woman he loves. Now, this love for Rachel and non-love, if you will, for Leah, wasn't exactly hidden or discreet. Jacob never pretended that he loved Leah. Leah knew that Jacob didn't love her and was just tricked into marrying her. And it was only because she was the oldest and she was understandably jealous of the love Jacob had for her little sister, Rachel. Once he's married to both sisters, Rachel is unable to get pregnant while Leah is having no trouble whatsoever. You could look at it as irony that the unloved wife was bearing the children that the loved wife longed for, 
But it goes even deeper than that. If we look at the thought behind the names for Leah's four sons, we'll see that. For her first son, Reuben, she says, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Leah desires to be loved by Jacob, her husband. She's longing for that love and reasons that now that she's given him a son, unlike Rachel, he will love her because she's given him something that Rachel hasn't. But we see that that doesn't happen because with her second son, Simeon, she names him this and she says, it's because the Lord heard that I am not loved. He gave me this one too. So two sons for Leah and she is still the unloved wife while Rachel remains barren and the receiver of all of Jacob's love and affection. Leah then becomes pregnant a third time, birthing yet another son for Jacob. And keep in mind that sons were preferred in that day over daughters. So Jacob should have been over the moon that Leah has now given him three sons because he's practically hitting the jackpot. So their third son, Levi, is born and Leah says, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Because surely after three sons, her husband would begin to love her too. Notice Leah's not wanting to take the love away from Rachel. She's just wanting love as well. And we never hear exactly that he's not excited about the sons, but just notice that his affection or feelings for Leah don't change, even with the son she's given to him. But he doesn't. He doesn't change. He doesn't automatically start loving her because she's given him three sons. But then son number four is where God used this genealogy to speak to me. Son number four, Judah, is born, and this time when he's born, Leah declares, this time I will praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, she stopped having children after that. Let's speed through it real quick, just in case you don't notice what I'm trying to point out. God enables Leah to conceive because he sees that she is not loved. First son, she says, it's because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Second son, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. Third son, now at last my husband will become attached to me. Fourth son, this time I will praise the Lord. Leah had been searching since the beginning of her marriage to Jacob, which had been at least 10 years at this point, probably more, for him to love her. She was looking for what she could do to be loved by Jacob, what she could do for him that her sister couldn't what she could do to earn his love. And then when she has her fourth and final son, instead of saying something about how maybe this will win Jacob's love and affection, finally, she praises the Lord. She stops finding her identity and her worth in the absence of love from her husband and instead praises God, turning to him and begins to find her hope and love and identity and worth in Jesus, or I guess in God at this point. And then she stops having kids. Now, maybe this wasn't why, but in my head, it sounds like God noticed Leah wasn't feeling loved and used her bearing sons to show her to not place her identity or her self-worth in anyone but him. And that's when she would find true peace. Jacob never came around to loving Leah. And while once that had been Leah's primary focus, it wasn't once she realized she had all she needed in the Lord. Now, my question for you today is, are you guilty of being a Leah, trying to find love or your worth and acceptance in things or people other than God? It's really easy to say, of course not. I know my worth is found in Christ. I don't look for other 
things or people to tell me who I am. And I'll tell you first and foremost that I have said that for so long, but it was a lie. But let me tell you, if one, if that's true, that's awesome. If you find your identity and your worth and your value in Christ, that is amazing. But I want to challenge you that if you're saying you find your worth in Christ alone, to examine your life and see if that is actually true. Because see, for much of my life, I have felt a longing to be accepted by others. I've wanted to be seen, to be loved, and to be valued. I didn't want anyone to see my flaws or imperfections. And in the end, I felt like I didn't belong because I could never measure up to others' expectations of me. For much of my life, I've been seeking validation from people instead of validation from Christ. And when we find our worth and value in Christ, instead of searching for it from others, we'll begin to uncover all kinds of misconceptions and false beliefs that we have been believing and start to see the truth and believe the truth. We start to see ourselves as God sees us, which still isn't perfect and it never will be, but it is inherently loved, accepted, and worth dying for. We are image bearers of the one true God of the universe. Let's not forget that. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Other places you might be seeking your worth from besides others' opinions of you include your career, your house or some materialistic things, your ability to have children, your looks, your social media following, All of these things that at some level are out of our control and things that can always change, unlike the love of Christ and the love that Christ has for us and what he thinks about us, no matter our social calendar or our ability to keep a clean house, even with three kids. You know, ever since reading this passage, I've started to wonder how different things may have been. For Leah, from the beginning, if instead of seeking for her love and worth from Jacob, she believed and declared God's truth over her life. So my encouragement to you today is to take the biblical affirmations I'm about to give you and begin to declare them daily to help you find your worth in Christ instead of in anything else. It's not going to be an overnight process, but it is going to be a process that is definitely worth it. And then once you reach that point where you're finding your worth and your value in Christ, don't stop. Don't stop reminding yourself of these things because there are going to be temptations around every corner vying for our attention to be taken off of Christ and be placed on them and encouraging us to find our worth in other things. So just because you find your worth in Christ or you start to, don't stop reminding yourself of who God says you are. That is a daily reminder that we need. So I'm going to give you some biblical affirmations and the verses tied to them. Biblical affirmation number one, I am a child of God. Galatians 3, 26 through 27 tells us, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. Biblical affirmation number two, I am a co-heir with Christ. Romans 8, 17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Biblical affirmation number three, I am chosen. First Peter 2, 9, 
but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Biblical affirmation number four. I am loved by God, the maker of the stars, the rainforest, and me. Isaiah 54.10 tells us, Though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Biblical affirmation number five. My past does not determine my future. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Biblical affirmation number six, I am redeemed. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Biblical affirmation number seven, I am forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Biblical affirmation number eight, I am God's masterpiece and created to do great things. Ephesians 2, 10 tells us, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Biblical affirmation number nine, I am stunningly and brilliantly made unique by God. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And finally, biblical affirmation number 10. Christ in me is more powerful than anything in this world. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So I want you to choose all or just the affirmations that resonate the most with you and meditate on them daily. And I want to encourage you to take some time alone with God if you don't know which of these truths you need to be reminded of and ask him to reveal how he sees you. We live in a world where affirmations are becoming this big thing. And I want to encourage you to try and use these biblical affirmations in your daily life and start to believe them because they're true. Guys, this isn't just a puff up type thing to make you feel better. This is the truth. All 10 of those things. I am a child of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am chosen. I am loved by God, the maker of the stars, the rainforest, and me. My past does not determine my future. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am God's masterpiece and created to do great things. I am stunningly and brilliantly made unique by God. Christ in me is more powerful than anything in this world. Every single one of those things is true. Every single one of them. And there are people and assignments in this world that are waiting on you to recognize and to believe your worth in Christ. They're waiting on you to recognize that so that you can fulfill what God has called you to do in your life for him. So I pray that you were reminded today of how valuable you are to God and to the kingdom and that nothing besides Christ should be defining your worth and value. I'll see you guys next week. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Purpose Through Pain podcast today. I pray that you're walking away from this episode with hope and trusting God with whatever comes next for you or whatever you're walking through right now. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family. And if you ever have any questions or have a topic that you want me to discuss, just shoot me a DM over on Instagram at katrina.r95. I hope I'll see you next week. And until then, remember that your pain isn't pointless and God's got a beautiful purpose all planned out just for you.